0: Promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia, provided by the General Building Contractors Association.
1: This is the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast, bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the Growing Greater Philadelphia radio program. Now, here's Matt Cabry.
0: entrepreneurs, regardless of the industry they're working in, are small business owners first. And today, we're really excited to have with us a founder and owner of a small business, Ed DeAngelis of EDA Contractors. Ed, it's great to have you. Thank you for having us, Matt. And joining Ed is uh, a colleague named Corey Robbins. Corey leads the business development initiatives for EDA Contractors. Corey, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. I appreciate it. So, Ed, take us back to 1999. You know what? You can even take us back to 97 or 98, because that's probably when the itch may have started, maybe even a couple years before that, of how you decided to embark on this ambitious initiative to start your own business. No, Matt, Matt, it really,
2: it kind of starts, my father was an owner of a small business, mechanical contracting business in this area. And I think from that point on, I I always felt like I wanted to be my own owner. But, you know, I started working for a company within the area, and I think you got it about right. 97, 98, I would say every day, all I thought about was, if I ran this business, how would I do it myself? So Mm -hmm. one of the ways to be a good business owner is to kind of practice. When you're within that business, you pretend that you're the owner. And how would I do this? How would I do it differently? And and to their credit, I think I gave them everything I could, but I always thought one day I'm going to start my own. And that's really kind of where I was right before 1999. So you're about right. It was about two years before. But before, I have to say, that the bug and the seed was
0: planted. With my own father. Absolutely. You grew up in a family business environment, and I suspect it's kind of in your DNA, especially if your dad was running a, his own shop as well.
2: Yeah, my mother and my father had me when they were 18 and 17. So, you know, my father started his own business at one point, really out of necessity. So, it was really kind of ingrained in me. So, as a young child, really, my dad was working all the time kind of building the business, his business. And I think at that point you just you get the bug. You do. You get
0: a little bit of a seed is planted in you and it just starts to to grow. So EDA contractors, how do you describe for folks what EDA actually is?
2: EDA is a multi disciplined exterior envelope contracting company. What does that mean? We do commercial and institutional work only. We don't do residential work. We've concentrated in that arena of commercial and industrial work. We do underground waterproofing. We do exterior wall waterproofing. We do roofing. We do exterior panels that go on top of the waterproofing. We do louvers. We do all kinds of different aspects of the exterior. And you know, in addition, within the roofing, we also do vegetated roofing, which is a big thing in this urban environment, which is finally, the the city is really picking up on the ball, what has been being done in other parts of the country.
0: And you've been doing this now for, frankly, EDA, you're coming up on your 20 year anniversary, but you've been in the business for almost 30 years, I guess, you know, uh, close thanks, to it. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, sadly, I think I
2: graduated in 1990. And I've been in the business for another competitor, right in the roofing business. That's when I started. So yeah, it's Thanks, Matt. It's going to be coming up on. Yeah, i i didn't I didn't <laughs> mean to make you feel really
0: old. No, nah, really, that's all right. My I kids really tell me, it. my
2: dad, my daughter always says to me, "Dad, you know you got." She touches my hair. She's like, you know, your hair's getting gray. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thanks.
0: I I see it every morning. I'm okay. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, I ask about this because you've seen a lot of evolution in the industry. And you just mentioned something that really caught my ear, which is, I think, the vegetation roofing, if I heard that correctly. Share with us a little bit more what that actually is and how it's been evolving and how recent it's been evolving into this kind of green roof type of concept.
2: So there's a big push in every urban city for the most part. And some have been leaders in this type of industry, Washington, Chicago, things of that sort, where they need water retention. They need the water to stay on the roof instead of running into our sewer systems, which are you know aging and, and are having some issues with the heavy population. So they've developed a system on the roof that becomes vegetation. So what you do is you put a special soil up on the roof that is not your standard dirt. It's just a it's a special lightweight soil, and then you put some sort of plantings, or you can put carpet, you know, type of um, vegetation on it, mm-hmm. which will not grow like a, a weed. It'll grow very tepidly, so okay. it's not going to go crazy. And you're up there with a lawnmower; it doesn't work that way. And the whole purpose of it is so the water will slowly drain through it and will be retained up on the building. So if you look at the square footage of a, a city like Philadelphia. If you can retain a lot of the rainwater up on the roof within their vegetation system, you're going to lessen the tax on the viaducts and all the items that are going to take sure, the water. The, yeah, the around, drainage system. The drainage system. So, yeah. in the past, I would say, seven years, the city of Philadelphia has mandated that you have to put a vegetated or some sort of water retention system on any new building. Hmm. So they finally have made it mandatory for developers. It's definitely owed to just trying to protect the city from some of the issues that people are having with regards to the runoff. Like I said, New York does it now. Chicago does it. Washington does it. It's a significant part of the future. And don't be surprised if you see a lot more as we keep moving into the future.
0: So that's a milestone moment in what I would call the regulatory space of building codes. Are we seeing not just new construction, but are we also seeing some older construction or current building? converting to a green roof type of concept as well?
2: It depends. It depends what kind of owner you're talking about. Because our civic owners who are staying here for a long period of time, who are builders of holding the building, will invest the money in that for various reasons. Number one, they can make their roof a space that can be used as a space for meetings, and they can create a different type of usable space. And in an expensive square foot city like Philadelphia, you want to create as much usable space as possible, but there's a heavy cost to that. Right. So your civic owners who want to maintain their buildings and create a a different type of building that's going to last for years and years, they usually will invest it even on a renovation. Your developer types have not yet caught up to the end value Mm. meeting the upfront cost. That's why the regulatory part of it is a significant part because it really does kind of insist that you have to do this. It's for the betterment of society more than anything else.
0: And it's a long-term play.
2: 100% it's a long-term play. We know that we can't rip up all the city streets to put in new piping, so we're going to have to do something to kind of limit the amount of runoff that we have.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And folks, we're talking with Ed DeAngelis. He's the founder and owner of ED EDA contractors. They're headquartered in Bucks County, Ben Salem, and Ed is a proud native of Greater Philadelphia, grew up in Northeast Philadelphia. We're also going to pull into the conversation in just a moment, Corey Robbins, who leads business development for EDA, who's also a proud native of Greater Philadelphia. But Ed, I want to go back to, before we pull Corey in, because it's going to tie into the question we have for Corey, which is your vision initially was a roofing-focused organization, but over the past 15 years or so, you've really evolved and the portfolio of expertise and focus has shifted. Share with us a little bit more how your team has expanded.
2: So, right. When I started the business, it was EDA Roofing Corporation. That was the actual name of the business. And that was because the company I started when I graduated from college was a roofing company. Mm -hmm. So I always wanted to just own my own business. Again, I really didn't care what it was. I just wanted to own my own business. So it started out as a roofing company. You know, we were successful for probably the first five years. It was fairly successful, but, you know, we kind of maxed out the results that we could establish within what I envisioned us to be, meaning profits, give back to the community have a better environment for our employees so we needed to see if there was another place to go and the best place for us to go is to continue moving into the envelope we knew how to keep buildings watertight we Mm -hmm. knew how to keep a building dry so we look for any aspect within a building that would impact that. And then that's where we evolved. So we would just train our staff. We would add these new disciplines. I would say we would add new disciplines every couple of years and just kind of get our staff to get updated on where we are and just kind of keep it in that whole watertight envelope. Yeah, And it just, it really is consistent with the roofing company because the roofing company that has to keep it watertight.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And share with us how the team has grown in terms of employees. So it, was it one or two <laughs> folks in the shop back in 99 and now, now you're a little bit more robust? In 99, there was one
2: person in my father's building in a small office in the corner. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate to be able to use his facility and be able to have a, a secretary kind of there who wasn't working for me, worked for him. Yeah but the most important thing and i think it's important for all small businesses is i had my father right upstairs
0: right you had a resource you had I, a, 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 almost a mentor
2: i had a mentor in the building right and in 1999 you have no idea what you're doing and right. you are in a you're in a twister yeah. of emotions, of fears of you just don't know right so you know, we were one then we moved to another facility in Montgomery county we probably had maybe 10 employees mm mm-hmm. Probably about three years later, we moved to another facility in Ben Salem, Bucks County, and we were probably up to seventy-five. And presently, we're a little over two hundred employees at this wow. point.
0: Wow, that's great! Congratulations! Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a great milestone. You've actually grown to such a point where you saw the need about three or four years ago to engage a business development person enter our friend and colleague, Corey Robbins.
1: Hello. <laughs>
0: so, Corey, share with us, you're doing business development for EDA contractors. How do you tell the EDA story when you go out and meet with prospects?
1: So, my job is to reach out to architects, which is very odd for subcontractors in general. Uh, there's not a, much of a conversation between the two fields in this industry. So, we were hoping to buck that trend, mm-hmm. you know, break that, and hope to open up the line of communication between us and architects. So my job is to go to them, long story short, talk about this idea that he has, or we have, Mm -hmm. which is the EDA envelope, which we'll take the entire exterior and make it watertight, and we'll stand behind it for a 10 year workmanship warranty. So really what I have is a thing that sells itself, assurance that the owner and the architect is going to be leak free and worry free for 10 years if we're brought in. And so, like I said, it's it's an uphill battle because, as I mentioned in the beginning, architects just, they're not used to having subcontractors walk into their building. Right, and, and say,
0: hey, let's talk and let's partner.
1: They're yeah. usually just like, what are you doing here? Do you have right. a product? What product do you have to show me? And I'm like, well, we just have this concept and it's really one of those things that we think will change the industry and we need your help to push it through. And they're like well, you should go talk to the general contractor. There's no reason for you to speak to me. So it's an uphill battle. But that being said, I mean, I have the powerhouse that is EDA behind me. right? You know, And when it's going around in Philadelphia, they immediately know the name. And so I have that ticket in and it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, that is great.
0: So you've mentioned a couple of times this terminology of envelope. Mm-hmm. And I know your team does work in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, New York. And I suspect you will expand beyond that. And when you go in and have this conversation around, you know, the EDA, envelope. And you referenced that it's kind of a distinction. It's kind of a distinguishing characteristic. But the reference to envelope is something that's in the in the industry, but you guys are kind of really capturing in it in a way that it hasn't been captured before.
1: Correct. I mean really the idea was liability. At the end of these projects, if there happens to be a leak, the manufacturer's warranties just don't add up. There's tons of loopholes in them. They write them so they limit their liability, which is great business for them. But what ended up happening was that through several different times, we just learned over the years that it ends up being on the installer no matter what. So the idea was to, hey, if it's on us anyway, why not have it written into the specifications of the building, put it in wording so that there's no argument at the end, so lawyers don't get brought in. So the idea is just to kind of push that, talk to architects about it, show them the loophole, educate them that this is a real issue that is burying subcontractors all over the country. And granted, our company is large enough that we've taken hits and we can continue to move, but a lot of contractors just don't come back from something like that.
0: You know, I really appreciate how you're positioning this because it's a solution to a problem. Correct. And some people may not even see it as a problem until you kind of point it out to them that subcontractors are are really challenged by this Mm -hmm. and you have a solution to, to ease that.
1: Right. It basically just forces other installers to understand that they are the ones who are liable unfortunately they're not always aware they they think that the manufacturer's warranties will cover them and that you know if something goes wrong they're going to be okay but this idea Forces them to see that that's not the case. That as the installer, you're the one who's on the line. So you have to do your due diligence, kind of just make sure that everyone's on the same page. Otherwise, if a leak occurs, you could be in some serious trouble.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And folks, that's Corey Robbins. He leads business development for EDA contractors. And he's here with his colleague, the founder and owner of EDA contractors, Edward DeAngelis. He goes by Ed. And you can
1: call <laughs> me Ed, man. <laughs> Thanks. He's colleagues, a strong well, word. That's right. He's actually the boss, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, Ed, I want to go back to a little bit of the entrepreneurial spirit that we were talking about at the beginning of our conversation. And the name EDA, I know it sounds really obvious, potentially, for those who are listening closely, that it's tied to your name, EDA EDA. Edward DeAngelis. Is that fair to say? That's fair.
2: That was my ode to myself. Yeah. Sadly. But it was, you know, it felt comfortable. It was an ode to my also my family. I wanted to keep things kinda close and you know, when you start a business, it's your second family. Right. And anybody who thinks it's not doesn't really know. And any entrepreneur out there who started their own knows that if you don't treat it like your second family, you're not gonna be successful. So yeah. Yeah, that's where the name
0: came from. And it says a lot about you as a proud owner of a family owned business. And it's not that terribly unusual. And I and I like the connection to your name with the initials EDA. And it's also evolved into a new look and feel and something that you and, and your colleagues have really embraced.
2: Right. So about maybe two years ago, we've evolved as a company. We've evolved as a group. You know, we went from E D A, capital E, capital D, capital A, B and me. yeah, To us where we're now you know, in excess of 200 people. So what we did was we changed the letters from capital E to lowercase e, lowercase d, lowercase a. Right. And the symbolism was it's now about us. Our next step in our evolution is really going to get there because of us. In the beginning, any entrepreneur knows it really is, unfortunately or fortunately, about you. Right. And this company is a VOB, now it's about us. And that's why we changed it from uppercase to lowercase. And we changed some colors and things like that that has some symbolism.
0: And equally important, you embraced kind of a new mantra for the team. I think it's Success Together.
2: Successful together. Successful together. Which is That's great. And again, that is it's a mantra that in my heart. I believe that the next stage, I mean, the stage is even to get, any any small business knows that you don't get there by yourself. You start off by yourself. And I work off of something that you go from 1 to 2, 2 to 4, 4 to 8, 8 to 16. And at one point, really, you become less and less. You're a manager of it. You start it. You implement it. You get the energy going. You keep the, the blood of it flowing. But at the end of the day, the people are going to be the ones who are going to really get you to the next level.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I and I want to drill down on that next level part, because you know, being a small business owner for the last 20 years on your own, coming up on 20 years now, that you have to adapt and you have to look at how to be more innovative and how to create a culture where your employees are embracing the environment and the technology that's evolving in the industry as well. And I wanted to touch base on a little bit of uh, those elements. And there's something that distinguishes EDA from other companies, and it's related to this notion of emotional intelligence. And I was hoping you could expand on that.
2: So probably about seven years ago, through my own research and reading, you get to a point in your career where you say, I made money. What do I want to do to make this different? How Mm -hmm. can I create difference in this industry and in my business? And at one point, it came apparent that we need to kind of understand people better. And through a whole multitude of readings, emotional intelligence kept coming up in all my research. So at one point, about two years ago, we hired a executive coach. Mm-hmm. We hired someone to come in and kind of create an emotional intelligence program through some education programs and things of that sort. I mean, it was an investment that we made that I think will be the differentiator between us and our competitors. Mm -hmm. We all sell, to the most part, a commodity product. Right. Human beings are not a commodity product. Human beings are the the difference. So if you can understand them to help them understand themselves and you can understand yourself, Mm -hmm. you just will have a better machine, and your machine will work better. And emotional intelligence is a critical part And we're introducing it to a construction industry, which is – archaic in a lot of things. We're usually slow to the punch. So we have a lot of men who have a lot of bravado, and emotional intelligence sounds like it's touchy-feely. And if anything, it's it's, nothing's braver than trying to touch into some things that maybe you don't want to touch into. Yeah,
0: that you're uncomfortable with. That you're
2: very uncomfortable, but they're the things that hold you back. Yeah. You know, and you you make decisions sometimes based on emotion instead of intelligence. So you have to be emotionally intelligent. You have to understand your emotions and what triggers you and what stops you from doing things.
0: And you know, you're absolutely right that you wouldn't necessarily expect that kind kind of approach in the construction industry. So I give you a lot of credit for having the courage to not only identify it, but to implement it at EDA and actually do something about it and invest in your employees and in their future.
2: Yeah, we're proud of it. I mean, and I'll tell you what, we've had success. I mean, we had a lot of pushback. We still do. Mm -hmm. You know, people, it's like anything that's new, there's going to be a little resistance to it. But, you know, to anybody who is listening, who wants to start a business and really feels like, how do I get this thing moving? Well, you really got to know your people. And, you know, the investment we made, I didn't make it out of charity. I made it out of seeing an opportunity to get bigger and better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we're going to move into different markets, if we're going to keep growing... We're going to need to have a nice core of people who really understand how to kind of act in a, in a situation that's stressful. We're in a, a business, like I'm sure most businesses, that's highly stressful, mm-hmm. and you have to be able to manage that. You have a home life. You have a work life. You have to manage all those things. I do believe wholeheartedly that emotional intelligence is about teaching people not just for work. It's about life.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And pivoting off of that, technology is increasingly a big part of our world and including the construction space. And I was hoping you could elaborate a little bit on how technology like drones are impacting the type of work that you and your team are doing at EDA, you know, in the roofing business and and the whole envelope kind of concept that you and your team embrace.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously you have to stay, just like we're talking about emotional intelligence, you have to stay on top of all the newest innovations. Um, drones are obviously a, an innovation that Corey, who does business development, has been able to you know, use them as a marketing tool and also be able to show people firsthand. The, the beauty of a drone is, picture is a thousand words. Mm-hmm. So if if you can fly something and really give them a visual look, we are still visual people, and the, we're even more visual now with you know the way things are today. And I think it's a critical part of. Educating your own people and also educating your customer about what you're doing. Because a lot of times you're, you're speaking about something that people just don't know. And, and whether they're even in the business, it's sometimes better to show them a picture. Right. And that type of innovation of drone, we haven't even – I mean, to be fair, the use of a drone isn't even close to where it could be. Mm-hmm. I mean, what we could do – I mean, we do 30-, 40-, 50-story buildings. So you can imagine inspections and things of that sort. If a drone became something critical in the aspect of – Watching what people are doing, making sure people are safe, making sure the work is done correctly, I think it's going to be a. I think it's going to be a big thing for the future. And I think it's. I mean, we we believe that if we could catch it early, we want to stay on top of that innovation.
0: Absolutely. And Corey, I'm going to turn to you based on uh, the references that Ed has been making about how you can actually show prospective clients and partners in the architectural world images as opposed to just talking about the type of work that your team does. Is that is that fair?
1: yeah it's it's fantastic. Architects in general are are artists or at least they consider themselves to be so. yeah, uh, they went to school for it. They're sure. all about design. and if you can show them their building coming to life week by week, it blows their mind. yeah, you know and it's one of those things that you want them and they want to come out to the site and see their work. But they're buried under paperwork. It's just kind of the nature of their particular industry. So if you can send them as simple as a YouTube video of a span of the project five weeks in, they love it. They absolutely love it. But then as you said, it's also a money maker, a money saver, just from simply if an owner wants to see something that we would have to put a swing up there just to be able to take a picture, Mm -hmm. throw a drone up there, take a quick picture, send it over. It's done. It's a real money saver for a lot of different things.
0: Yep, so folks, we're talking with Corey Robbins, business development, EDA Contractors, and Ed DeAngelis, founder and owner of EDA Contractors, right here on Growing Greater Philadelphia. And I wanna shift gears slightly to a little bit of a softer topic because I know both Corey and Ed are proud natives to the Greater Philadelphia area. And um, Corey, I'm gonna start with you and ask, what do you love about the Greater Philadelphia region when you're talking with friends and family outside the region or if you're coming back from a business trip or you're, you're meeting folks on a business trip and they say, you know, dude, tell me about Philadelphia. Why are you guys based there?
1: Well, I have two things off the top of my head. I'm sure that I could be more eloquent if I thought more about it. But the number one thing is, and it's probably the thing that a lot of people outside of our area are not thrilled of, Mm -hmm. is the attitude. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's one of those that we have an attitude about us and don't mess with us right. and we stick to our own and we protect our own and i'm a huge fan of that that's why i came back you know he went to school in philadelphia i went to school all the way out in arizona right and was tempted to stay out there but i couldn't pull myself away i had to come back yeah. you know so it was born into me and the number two is mm-hmm. we have four sports teams and they're fantastic to watch right yeah. <laughs> huge <laughs> so- fan <laughs> some would
0: actually say we have six sport teams, sports oh, yeah. teams if you count the union and the soul uh, soul yeah, yeah exactly oh, now i there, feel bad there might be one or two we're forgetting too that have come and gone like lacrosse and, right yeah. i'm a
2: soccer player so i'm used to people insulting our soccer team oh that's man
1: <laughs> the union that's right well they're chester are they really feel no i'm just absolutely. absolutely i'm Philly. kidding i'm yeah. kidding i'm kidding
0: so but i love the fact Corey, that you attended school in arizona because it actually allows you to have a different and i would suggest better perspective of the region because now you have comparisons to other parts of the country and other right. parts of the the world that help you appreciate all that greater Philadelphia has to offer in a way that, you know, those who may not have had a chance to travel as much to have that comparison.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, it, that wasn't the only play. My older job, I traveled all over the country. So I've seen almost, I would say 45 states yep. out of 50, which is, you know, pretty remarkable looking back on it. It didn't yeah. seem crazy at the time, but yeah, now right. it's like, wow.
0: That is cool. But,
1: you know, I lived down in Louisiana. I had the slow version of America and I was out the West, which is If you're 15 minutes late, you're on time. Yeah, right. In Philadelphia, yeah, you're late. If you're 15 minutes early, you're late. Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? So it's just different. It's a different way lawyers wear sandals and flip flops Mm -hmm. out there. You know, it's just a different animal. Yeah, and I prefer here. I had to come back.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's not wrong. It's not good or bad. It's just different. To your point. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So, Ed, again, I know you're a proud native to Greater Philadelphia, Northeast Philadelphia guy, LaSalle High School for Boys grad. What do you love about the Greater Philadelphia region?
2: You know, I think this is the place that I would always want to be. I enjoy it here. I think one of the things I do like about it is similar to Corey, I like people to be real. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I want you to look me in the face. I want you to tell me where you feel. If you like me, great. If you don't like me, that's fine, too. Yeah. You know, the best thing about Philadelphia people is you know where you stand. Yeah. And I think in business, it's a critical part for me. I have to trust you. And one of the ways I can trust you is I can look you in the eye, I can speak to you, and I want you to speak your mind to me. Yeah. And I think part of our success is I think I really do understand Philadelphia because I am Philadelphia, and the region for that matter. Because to be fair, all the counties, a lot of transplant Philadelphia people out there. So I think it's a critical part of our success is that. And as we go to different markets, it sometimes is difficult to gather what these people really want out of you, and what you get in Philadelphia is you get it right on their sleeve, you get it right out there, they're going to talk to you, you know, for me, you know, I went to, like you said, all my grade school, my high school, my college, Mm -hmm. all Philadelphia. Yeah. So, you know, and I I can't, I don't have the experience of, of Corey, and if anything, I'm so parochial- that I wanted my kids to go away and come back because right. I I just became so – there was no wrong about Philadelphia, and I didn't really meet en- enough people. Right. And the beauty of going out west or going somewhere else is you can see, is this the right place? For me, right. it is, right. but you know, that's but, from my perspective. You,
0: yeah, I totally agree, and you have an appreciation for it in a way that you may not have necessarily been expecting when you have a comparable somewhere else in the world.
2: Correct. Yeah. Totally. I didn't have, the, you know, and yeah. to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't have an opportunity like yeah. that. You know, I yeah. didn't, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, working-class family yeah. and this is the way it was going to be and and again, it's who made me who I am, but That's right. you know, it's good to hear from people like Corey and other people that, you know, I wanted to come back because yeah. to me it feels feels right to be home yeah. and this is it.
0: What I hear both of you guys saying is uh, and I recognize this as well. There's an authenticity. There's a genuineness about folks from the greater philadelphia community that you don't necessarily see in other regions you know
2: we do work in new york we do work in new jersey we do work in different areas and there's nothing wrong with those people they're great people there is a definite difference and the difference might be slight Mm -hmm. and the authenticity and the realness is the difference between me wanting to work with you and not wanting to work with you there's a small little edge that if you feel it you shy away if you trust it even if they say I don't like you they don't have to be positive as long as they're real and authentic with who they are I mean that's that's why we are the way we are. And it can be standoffish and might seem put off because we're sometimes radically candid.
0: Yep. So, Ed, I want to do a hmm. quick step back in time and then I want Point. to come back to today because I know you're also a proud grad of St. Joseph's University and got in a lot of trouble out in West Philadelphia in, in the Winfield neighborhood at the Nazarai and the Chopsticks and the Kavanaugh's. And Gledge graduated from St. Joe's. Not, Matt, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> When you were thinking back to your time at LaSalle and at St. Joe's, did you know this is what you are going to be doing?
2: No, I did not know that this was what I was going to be doing, but I always felt like I wanted to do something on my own. I felt I did feel an entrepreneurial spirit inside of me. Yeah. One of the things I think that really helped me was I was a paperboy, mm-hmm. and I think one of the Critical things in my life was being a paper boy because it taught me how to be in my own business. My parents didn't give me money just to give me money, they made me earn it. I had to wake up, you know, I had the bulletin Mm -hmm. for a little bit, then I had to wake up at five in the morning before school and deliver papers that Mm -hmm. I had to go collect. So that's accounting. I had, you know, HR because people wouldn't pay me or would be screaming at me because the paper got wet or whatever. So you're a 13 year old boy and you're getting these lessons now. I could have been stressed out to the point that I didn't want it, but I kind of liked making my own money and controlling my own destiny a little bit. So kind of it evolves as you go through. So I do think there's a there's just a little spirit. I think the spirit, to be perfectly honest with you, it is in everybody. It just depends on whether you want to take the risk or not.
0: Right. And it laid that foundation for where you are today. And that's where I want to go next, Ed, is what, what kind of advice do you give to a young person, whether they're in high school or college, or maybe college isn't for them, and they're thinking about what's next for them in life. How do you provide them some meaningful insights that allow them to think about Their future, if they're considering an entrepreneur role or some other career path.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the the most important thing for anyone who's younger, myself included, is you want to have a vision of big, but you want to think small. Hmm. So keep it simple. Love what you want to do. Make sure you're passionate about it. Make sure you're willing to risk everything. You're gonna you're willing to give up time to go do things. You're gonna be willing to do certain you know, aspects of your life to make this work. But keep yourself simple. Keep yourself within the limits of the vision. You have a a dream, but don't work to the dream. Work to be successful today and try to be successful this week and then try to be successful this month. And then you turn around, and I'm a a perfect example of it, and it's 19 years later going on 20, and it feels like yesterday I was thinking about how was I going to make the next
0: payroll? Absolutely. And it's an inspiring story, Ed. Folks, that's Ed DeAngelis, who back in 1999 had the courage and the opportunity to take that risk and start EDA contractors. And today they have more than 200 employees operating in the greater Philadelphia region and beyond, frankly. Mm So, Corey, as part of your role leading business development for EDA, it does take you across the country to, to different conferences and trade shows to kind of tell the EDA story. You just got back, I think, from a trip to California Tell us a little bit more about that experience.
1: Yeah, I was in um, Long Beach, California for the CSI, which is Construction Specifications Institute, not Crime Scene Investigation. Uh Good Um, distinction. Yeah, right. Uh, I was there for the national conference, which is held once a year. It's annual. And I was presenting. This is my second year going. And this year I got to present. Nice. uh, Concerning our idea with a third-party spec writer and how we think it's something that is not only for the Philadelphia area, as we've been talking about extensively, but this is a national issue.
0: Uh And and the idea you're referencing is this concept of the envelope.
1: Correct. Yeah. You know, just we're we're trying to make architects understand that that this is a true, real loophole that exists and no one's really talking about it. And just like Ed mentioned earlier, you know, the construction industry is usually slow or they last in. So Mm -hmm. we're just trying to... Do our part in pushing it forward from our angle as a subcontractor, the best we can, and hence that's why I was all the way out in LA in the beautiful sunshine.
0: Yeah, that's great. So (laughs) you're up on the stage at this conference, and you're talking about um, the EDA envelope Mm -hmm. kind of concept. What kind of reaction are you getting from uh, from the folks after your presentation?
1: All over. You know, uh, it, it depends on who's in the room. If it's an owner or you know someone who's a developer, they love it you know they're like they're all on the lines of why isn't this already happening right they get you know? it yeah. yeah why why isn't this something that's happening right now third party spec writers people who write the specifications for those buildings they also are educated enough to love it architects they have questions they don't dislike it but they want to poke holes contractors similar they want to mm-hmm. poke holes but they see the wisdom in it and then manufacturers reps try to legitimately poke holes because they think it's going to hurt their business in some way. Gotcha. Mostly just simply from not understanding it. They right. they think that somehow it's gonna hamper what they're doing and their numbers when in actuality it, it doesn't really change much for them.
0: And speaking of not necessarily understanding it, I know this is gonna be really nuanced, but describe for us what actually is the the EDA envelope.
1: Yeah, so so the idea is basically that for the exterior envelope of a building, when it comes to, you know, you have the studs and you have sheathing, then outside of that They've come up with a new way. It was about 20 years ago it finally hit America called rain screens. And long story short, the cladding that is put out there is different than what we've been using for 100 to 200 to 300 years. From always, you've been trying to keep the water outside of the brick or whatever is on the exterior. Now they're letting water through. Hmm. And they have waterproofing behind that and they have an air gap. And the point of the air gap is to let the water trickle down as well as evaporate out and have some movement so it has to get out of there. With that, there's so many parts and pieces and components of these things that we're putting up now that there's several different installers coming in at the same time. And if there is a leak that is found, because it's only 25 years old, it's very complicated, Mm -hmm. and everyone's kind of going through those growing pains. If there's a leak that is found, the blame game is unlike anything that's ever existed in construction where everyone has solid ground to stand on, and there is nowhere to point it and have the axe fall right so the issue is that the owner finds a leak and they say who's gonna come out here and fix it and everyone's like you can't blame me and they're right right so the idea is just to put it on someone right but so this has to land on someone's shoulders and they need to step their game up when it comes to cross training right. they need to know what goes underneath of them so ultimately whose shoulders does this land on So for this particular part, it's for the exterior cladding installer. So whether it's masonry, whether it's metal panels, whether it's fiber cement panels, whatever it is that's going over the air and vapor barrier or the water barrier or the weather barrier, Mm -hmm. that is who would have to take on this responsibility. Simply because they're the largest companies. They're the ones that have these huge swings. They have the ability to be able to pull out these... Large, um, you know, cranes, anything like that, while sure. an Everbilt bearing installer could be out of the trunk of their car.
0: I really appreciate you taking the time to share that insight with us because I do have to say that the nuance of, you know, allowing water into the structure is kind of counter exactly. to the
1: traditional thinking of construction, mm-hmm. right? You're exactly right. You know, uh, one of our taglines, I don't know if you could really call it that, is keep it watertight. Right. You know, like that is what our entire company is built off of. And then you basically went against it and said, okay, let the water in. Right but not too far in.
0: And it's still going to be watertight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. it's just one of those things that unless everyone's on the same page, unless the coordination is there, unless everyone's going in at the right time, it's a recipe for disaster.
0: Absolutely. So thank you for that, Corey. And yeah. Ed, I want to turn to you because you know, you're coming up on a milestone of a 20-year anniversary for EDA. And I'm curious, what's your vision for where EDA is going to be in the next three years, five years, 10 years from now?
2: Yeah, I get asked this question a lot by even some of my employees, and sometimes (laughs) I don't have a specific answer because, as I told you earlier, I think a big picture, but I I try to keep things small. But we've grown so much that we have to be thinking that way. Mm -hmm. We have this EDA envelope. We have this new warranty development that really has never been seen in the industry. It's it's innovative. It's simple, but it's very innovative. Our business development person going around the country, I see us in the next three to five years expanding to – Boston, East Coast markets that are, you know, we live in the hospital and education uh, institutional work. And they're the people that really care about the investment. And they're the ones that really want to see a long-term investment. They're they're looking for something that's going to last a long time. This is a new innovation with rain screens. And our envelope language is something that is unique. And we're really, really, all we're really doing is saying we're going to put our money where our mouth is. And we're going to say, we're going to take responsibility for this. And as a business owner, you know what that's like. You do it all the time. And that's all this is, is an extension of that. And it resonates with different markets. It'll resonate in Boston. It'll resonate in Chicago. It's going to resonate with markets where people really want you to look them in the eye and say, are you going to back this up? And I think... Those people will also back it up, and we'll have competition, but that's okay. It's good competition. So we're, we're definitely – I see us in the next three to five to ten years growing into this eastern seaboard of we're a union contractor, and that's an important part. We, we like to make sure that our people make a good living wage. And those markets seem to be able to assist and support the the amount of earnings that we expect our employees to make.
0: And based on what I would call the success you've had over nearly the past 20 years, uh, I have no doubt that you're going to be able to continue to deliver on that expertise in the construction industry and wish you guys all the best. And in the spirit of being an authentic Philadelphian, I really like you, I I don't really like you, (laughs) 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 That's typical (laughs) Philly. Thank you. Thanks very much. That's great. This segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to us by the Commercial Banking Division of Citizens Bank. You know, the Citizens Bank team, they bring practical financial experience and deep industry expertise to each banking relationship. To learn how Citizens can help your company reach its full potential, visit CitizensBank.com backslash commercial. And be sure to check out all of our podcasts at Radio.com and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. to Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia.